0: hello and welcome to dorks on sports a podcast about four dorks talking about sports my name is daniel joining me as always joining me is um is my spooky black cat penny here for the halloween season if you're checking out the video podcast you can see my spooky black fat cat we got curtis eastwood over there how are you doing curtis
1: i'm doing great
0: all right we got alana over there how's it going Howdy, howdy, hi, hi. Hey, 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 and we got Millie. Millie, how are you doing?
2: Hey, uh, I am doing all right. Thanks so much for asking.
0: Yeah, give us the give us the fantasy update.
2: Fantasy update. Well, um, you know, you win one, you lose one. That that trend is continuing. I I thought I was so um... as it
0: is with many teams in the NFL right now, sitting at five hundred. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually was like, you know, I am so favored to lose in this one league that I might actually win. And I almost <laughs> did, but nice. it didn't, it didn't happen. So uh, yeah, it's another week of of one up, one down, survived my guillotine league. But uh, as a J. Mar Chase manager, um, oh, yeah, there's some real bad news came Uh-oh. out today. He's going to yeah, miss time. And Oof. this is on a team where I have already lost a number of players to injuries. So I'm concerned for my uh, Folger Shakespeare league team. Malvolio's revenge. They're in trouble. They're in trouble.
1: You should pick up uh Markey's good one. Yeah. yeah,
2: I did. And then I just had to drop him because Derek Carr looks like he might not play. So now I need to go grab a quarterback just in case. Hmm. It's a rough uh,
3: week.
0: Man, that's rough. Yep. 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 We're, uh, we're pulling for you, Millie.
2: Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate
0: it. So uh, Seahawks had a tough road challenge going into Los Angeles to play the Chargers. They're a pretty tough team. They got that defense. They got that quarterback and Herbert Uh, Seahawks roll into town. And from the very first snap, I, that team, Uh, had that game in control, and it was pure dominance in all phases of that ball. Um, The final score was 37 to 24, but it wasn't even that close because that 24 came with a garbage time touchdown with like three minutes left in the game. Um, That was a fun game to watch. Uh, Mm. First of all, Kenneth Walker, the third, putting the league on notice with just a dominating performance, 168 yards, two scores. They uh, couldn't stop the guy. Uh, by the way, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third, uh, I, of all the yards he has, uh, like 200 of them come after contact, which is just,
3: more than that. Like, uh, that it's, that's
0: bonkers to me.
3: Yeah. He's I mean, got more yards after contact. Over the four weeks that he's played, than any other running back has yards.
0: It's um, it's amazing.
1: He's he's with like the lateral a, cut, with the lateral quickness of Barry Sanders, legitimate, life. legitimately. Yeah.
0: He's like a mix yeah. of Marshawn Lynch and Sean Alexander.
1: You know, yeah, like that's he he can interesting way to barrel put
0: it. through a guy, but uh, he can also do those cutbacks and turn on the Jets. Uh, man, I'm really excited for him. Uh, but the real star of that game, I thought was that Seattle Seahawks defense. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that defense against the Chargers on Sunday was looking a whole lot like that Legion of Boom defense. They were flying around everywhere. It Wherever the ball was, that defense was. They were laying the wood. They were getting hits. They were out. I mean... Los Angeles Chargers came out to play and and it was like their game plan was to get physical and get mean and get nasty. And that Seahawks defense decided we'll be more mean and we'll be more nasty. And they out-physicaled that Chargers, that Chargers team. Um, I, I thought uh, it was a really exciting thing to watch. This defense has been evolving um, and they're going to need it because they have another challenge with the New York Giants, the 6-1 and one New York Giants coming to town. Um, you know, that New York Giants, is they're crafty. That offense is crafty. They're well-coached, and they've got, you know, one of the best running backs in the league right now in Saquon Barkley, who's having himself a year. Um, Curtis, is this Seahawks defense up for the challenge of stopping Saquon Barkley?
1: Well, we're gonna find out um i think that i i'm i'll put it this way i'm 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 way more confident about them uh stopping a ground game or at least slowing down a ground game than i was three weeks ago yeah um coming out of that new orleans game but i mean um,
0: they 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 stopped eckler pretty well
1: they hadn't bottled but eckler's like
0: i know he's he's had one great game this this season yeah
1: yeah um here's 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 the advantages that i see for seattle is that um it feels like potentially for three weeks in a row they're gonna deal with an offense that has um injury issues on the offensive line Mm -hmm. um i think that uh Dable is going to stay committed to the run game because he really doesn't have much in the way of receivers right now. So it's going to be a whole lot of Barkley and it's going to be a whole lot of Daniel Jones. And there'll probably be some play action plays that are going to happen to tight ends and running backs and whatever receiver that can possibly get separation on Tariq Woolen, Tariq uh, and I don't think they have a lot out there. So yes. I think Seattle probably knows how um, uh, New York is going to try and attack their defense. And I'm anticipating that they'll probably continue with the similar sort of aggressive attacking the gaps up front and probably maybe even more of a shift to the older uh, 4-3 style that they used um uh over the years with like red bryant and brandon mebane and stuff like that i wouldn't actually i wouldn't even be surprised if we see um al woods put out you know kind of in the five technique you know end role on occasion just to make that more of a challenge for uh Barkley. um but i think that the the um the giants have done a really good job being resilient with this. And so I don't think they're going to abandon it. And so what they're probably going to count on is even if they're not scoring a lot of points in the second into the third quarter that they're going to hope by the time they get into the fourth quarter, um, they'll start to break out the explosive plays. And if they can keep the game close, you know, if they can kind of bottle up, you know, um, Gino and, uh, canine and Tyler Lockett and the tight ends and everything. And if they can keep it within like, you know, like a one score game, they're going to try and sneak this out in the end. Yeah. That's Pete Carroll. I think that's going to be their plan.
0: That's their plan, and I think the 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 key for the Seahawks, uh, I think their plan is they want to come out swinging, and they want to score as many points as they can in that first quarter, which they've been pretty good at so far this good season. Enough. I think they want to get up by two scores, three <laughs> scores early, because then they can take the strength away from the giants, right. Then the giants are going to be forced to go to um, Daniel Jones and make Daniel Jones really take those shots, which he's not great at. Um, That's how you neutralize, you know, somebody like Saquon Barkley. Um, Alana, do you think Seattle's up for that challenge? Uh, uh, Do you think they're good for getting up early like that?
3: So I just looked at that. I was interested in the stat uh, and, uh, in terms of the amount of running plays versus passing plays that the Giants call. Uh, and for 2021, they were number nine in terms of having 60% pass plays and 40% run plays, approximately. And in 2022, they're number 28. So they have wow, um, like 58% pass plays, 42% running. Sorry, opposite. running plays, 42% passing plays. Um, So I think that that's what is attributable to their success this year. It's it's completely shifting gears. It's going, we have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones can scramble. Daniel Jones can run the ball. Saquon Barkley is a a massive talent. We're going to use him. Um, And so like Curtis was saying, uh, know how they're going to attack us. And... uh, my biggest fear in this game is that while the defense has improved dramatically over the last three weeks where i haven't seen as steep of, as as sharp an improvement it has been tackling uh, uh-huh. there's they're still blowing tackles yeah um pretty regularly they're better yeah. placed uh in, in terms of they know where they're supposed to be uh most of the time in defense but the minute you get to that linebacker level um, there's going to be a missed tackle one or two here and there Uh, and then when when I hear things about how Tariq Wolin is out there on skill alone and learning the playbook still it has me a little bit worried approaching this run heavy heavy offense Mm -hmm. that he's gonna he's gonna be in the right position but he's not gonna be able to pull someone down um, and Saquon Barkley is not an easy person to tackle. Um, he's, I think, one of the top five running backs in the game right now. 100. 10%.
0: He's,
3: he's proving that week after week. And Daniel Jones is a big guy too. Um, and so that's where some of my concern comes in. I think that the Seahawks approach of score early, score often, uh, is the right approach. Like, yeah. let's see if we can neutralize that run game. But if it doesn't work, what's the next thing and what do we have to worry about? And that's why I'm predicting this to be a really close game um, and a somewhat low scoring game, even though the uh, uh, over under is in like the high forties it's predicted to be one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. Um, Which which is interesting because they're both running teams first.
0: Yeah. Um, And the Giants so far this season have had low scoring games. I mean, that's where they want, that's where they want it. They want to, they want to bring the teams down to their level and they want to play um, a run game. They want to control the clock um, and they want to keep it close. Um, So do I think this is
3: going to be a game that the Seahawks can handle? Absolutely. I do. Um, But because I'm not, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, in terms of end result, I think this is going to be one of the most both exciting and telling games of the year. I think this is a game where if we win, the next two games on our schedule are imminently winnable. Yeah. Um, because it's uh, Arizona and then Tampa and Germany, and and Tampa looks like a forest fire. Right?
0: Oh, they, they, honestly, um,
3: but and then right after we come back, I think we get the Raiders. Uh, or some other team that, um, oh yeah, schedule is right there. Yeah, yeah we get the Raiders after after this. Yeah.
0: By the way, like our our the back end of our schedule is front loaded with uh with home games. Like yeah. we've
1: played a majority yeah. of
0: our road games. Uh, by the time we go into the bye, we'll have played a majority of our road games. Um, uh, this is a game that uh, Seattle would really like Jamal Adams.
3: You oh, know? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Ryan Neal, I do want to say, Ryan Neal's fucking dope. Ryan Neal is fucking dope. Like, Ryan, Neal is fucking dope. He Ryan, Ryan
1: Neal was the best performing defender in the game last week against the Chargers. He
3: I mean, we also had 11 QB pressures. That yeah, that's from ridiculous. Like, top, uh, top 20 to number one. Like yeah. 11 in one game. Yeah. But,
1: but you're right, Neal, Ryan
3: Neal was outstanding.
1: Neal, in terms of pro football, focuses gradients was like the i think like the highest graded seahawk in the whole entire game um and and it was his his
3: jordan game too he was vomiting all over the place right before yeah yeah he gets sick
1: more often
0: so millie uh how do you think this game is
3: gonna
2: go so i've given some thoughts of this game and uh as a as a lover of of the giants coming spending a a a big chunk of time in new york in my life uh i i have a lot of affection for the giants so there is there that probably colors things a little bit in that i really like both of these teams the thing with the giants i mean if, if i'm looking at how to beat um, and how to beat Seattle if I'm them I'm going to go back to that Saints game and I'm going to watch those blown plays with Taysom Hill mm-hmm. because it is the scramble plays and the run plays from Daniel Jones that mm-hmm. are that are getting them across the finish line in a lot of these games so that's that's the tape that I'm going to go study and that really goes both ways mm-hmm. we know how the Saints use Taysom Hill to beat us. And we are able to, well, not beat us, we, but we are able to, um, you know, to go back and look at that. It's its a game that Vegas says don't bet on it. It's mm-hmm. a game that is a three-point spread. It is a game where you've got the Giants um, have our 5-0 and oh. When they're the underdog and they are considered the underdog in this game the giants are highly underrated and one of the reasons i like both these teams is they have that scrappy we can win Mm -hmm. this game don't count us out don't listen to what these talking heads are telling you because on at the end of the day we get the w Mm -hmm. so i think they're really evenly matched especially in mindset and how they're going to approach the game and I am definitely as usual a little unsure I think I'm gonna give the edge to home field advantage here because if there is one thing for the Giants I'm not sure that they are ready for uh, for the 12s uh-huh. I, I think that uh, we could absolutely be the difference. Mm-hmm. In this game.
3: Yeah.
0: And, so, and Dable is going to have him ready to go. I, I have, yeah. he's a really good coach.
3: Yes. I mean, he learned under both Reed and McDonough in uh, Buffalo. Um, right? That's the coach in Buffalo.
1: I think he also coached with Saban for a while. Down yeah. It. Like, so he's, his pedigree is as good as it gets, I feel like, in terms of where he's been and how he's climbed up. And he so
2: definitely, definitely has a think buy-in. That we can win this game. And I'm I'm gonna move into some uh predictions here. You wanna, let's I'm get gonna... into some predictions then. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, so I, I am gonna take the Hawks. Um, I think it's a close game. I there's a little more separation, but uh at the end of the day, I'm going Hawks uh 21, Giants 16. All
3: right, Ilana, I got? How you the got? Hawks. 23 20 and this is uh it's gonna look ugly for a lot of the game uh but Gino's gonna give a game winning drive um and that's gonna be the thing that really ices it for most of the media most of the media is on Gino's side right now talking about how he's one of the best he's having a great season um but I think that if he gets that game winning drive that fourth quarter game winning drive um people will look at it'll It'll elevate him into the MVP conversation. Um, I would love that for he's not Gino. Really there right now. He's he's in the he's in a different sphere. So I think I think this is the game where we start to have the legend of Gino as opposed to like this feel good awesome story.
0: I like that. Curtis, who what do you got?
1: God, I see a little bit more points scored in this one. Um, I feel like um I think the Seahawks are going to cover the three-point spread, and I'm going to say they're going to win by 27-24, 27-23. I'm going to say just so. a few more. Just a I, few, I, I few more. Think, points. I think there's going to. Here's here's the thing: is I think there's going to be there's going to be wind and rain in the forecast, um, and it's not like you know the Giants. Haven't played in that type of weather, but I think it's sort of it's it's different when you're playing it on the road here with that fan base uh making all that noise and stuff so I feel like I think Seattle's gonna get i think Seattle has adjusted their defense enough to where uh that performance that happened uh three weeks ago against the saints won't be a repeat i think (laughs) uh, i I think i think they're actually going to bottle up jones a little bit more um i think that they um the last couple games they did a lot of uh nickel fronts against the run um they took uh they had four defensive linemen uh at the line of scrimmage, two linebackers, and they had five DBs. I actually think that they're gonna switch more into the four-three and have three linebackers, four defensive linemen, and they're really gonna challenge um uh Jones to put the ball in the air. And that's where I kind of feel like the Tariq Woolens and the Ryan Neals and guys like that are gonna have opportunities as the game progresses and um i just think that Gino's the hotter quarterback right now i mean he's like analytically he's like he's right there with Patrick Mahomes and he
0: is and and, and Josh Allen Josh
1: Allen and i think through 7 games like that can no longer be denied Agreed. Like, like it's been consistent enough to think that that's sustainable so i think yeah i think i think i think this team will win a game that won't always feel comfortable through four quarters, but I think so. It's I think turnovers
2: uh, could be a real a real difference maker here. Especially tonight. in that weather,
1: yeah.
0: yeah well, definitely.
2: Yeah, um, I do think Danny Dimes uh may may give up a couple here.
0: I uh I, I this might be an unpopular opinion. I think Seahawks are running away this one. When I look mm. at these two teams that's a
3: very popular opinion. Yeah. Like I'd love <laughs> to see that. But I just don't um, think it's gonna happen. When I
0: look at these two teams, I don't see a lot of blue chippers on the Giants, and I see Seattle loaded with them.
3: They have four um, first round picks on the D line,
0: but they haven't done anything with them. Like,
3: they, like
1: they that, haven't really. The done interesting anything. thing with that is their defense has averaged. Uh over five yard they've given up over five yards of carry to running backs. Like yeah. that's odd to give up that many yeah. yards with like and they bunch.
0: really haven't gotten after the quarterback that much. By the way, Daniel Jones is one of the most sack quarterbacks in the league right now. Um I think. The Giants have benefited a little bit from a weaker schedule. Um, The only great team they beat was the Baltimore Ravens, and that Ravens team had a bad game. Um, Lamar wasn't great in that game. Um, But, you know, when they went up against the Cowboys, they got the butt kicked. And the Cowboys really is the only good team they've played this uh, this season so far. I see the Giants as uh, every... Every season, you have a team that comes out hot and in the second half, just completely tanks, and they're a total paper tiger, and I think the New York Giants is this season's team. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are calling. Yeah, Well, <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals are usually that team, but now the, yeah, yeah. they're just they're just paper. There's no tiger in the Arizona Cardinals this season. <laughs> they're just paper. So, I think uh I think the Seahawks are going to get up early. I think they're going to get this is what my prediction. I think they're going to get uh they're going to get up by three scores in the first quarter and then they're going to ride canine uh until the end and it will never be close. I think the Giants score two field goals in uh in the first half and uh and then they get 10 more points in the second half. This is my prediction Seahawks 32 Giants 16.
1: Mm. Blow up. Blow up.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think hands. the Seahawks just put the league on notice. I think the Seahawks, uh, I think I think the Philadelphia Eagles start getting a little nervous. That's what <laughs> I, my
1: God. I just started looking at the Philadelphia Eagle roster after they traded for Robert Quinn. And that is talking about blue checkers. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. It is
1: like they are so loaded up there. Yeah, and- they are.
0: Yeah, if they don't That's make a good it to the
1: team. Super Bowl, it'll be criminal. Yeah. Almost,
0: it's a good team. Yeah. All right. Well, you got all those uh, Amelia. You got those. Uh, How did we? How did we do in the predictions uh, last week?
2: Well, I mean, we all were right. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who
0: was who was rightest?
2: Well, you know, I was trying to kind of you know my award for who was right. <laughs> <laughs> because there's you know where did you put kind of the points over underwise and where did you put sort of the the spread between the scores and um daniel i'm sorry i'm going with alana as last what? Week's winner, uh because she chose 31 24 all right you've got this scoring up into the yeah 30. here's the thing I, I i take the, I, those garbage time points take them away <laughs> that game should have been 37 to with seventeen or whatever it was, well, you you okay. had 28, 17 Yeah, um, but yeah, since it's my award, I'm sorry, I'm giving All right. it.
0: Right, no, that's fine. That's <laughs> that's fine. Lana can have it. I'll uh,
2: I'll uh, you just wait till next week when the Seahawks blow out the uh, New York Giants when
3: the score is twenty three to twenty. <laughs>
2: I'm 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 writing out some qualifiers for you next week, Dan. Like, um, two field goals. For- <laughs> that's right. No, I know. Uh,
0: yeah, and when I'm right, you can, uh, you know, you can you can talk to me.
2: I think I have a weird feeling of- like
1: this is a game where like there's touchdowns scored, but there's like gonna be like failed point afters.
2: Well, I, here's
3: the thing. I mean, it's a Seahawks game, so twenty-three twenty.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, it's a Seahawks game, so it will inevitably devolve into chaos. Ball—that's what <laughs> Seattle is known for.
2: Well, if this wind keeps up, we definitely could see some Jesus. missed, missed uh, extra points. Woof. Yeah. Um,
0: you know what? I want to talk about. Here's the thing. This Seahawks team is really fun and it looks like it is developing into something special. And even if we don't really see the benefits of that this season, I think we're definitely going to see the benefits of that next season. And like all great Seattle teams, it always comes down to the relationship between the fans and those players, right? They, like we saw that a lot with uh, with the Mariners this season. You know, we saw that when, uh, when Seattle was going to the Super Bowl with the LOB era Seahawks. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's a relationship developing right now between the fans and this Seahawks team. There are a lot of really great players with big personalities that are starting to come out. Um, And I just want to talk about uh, who we think these guys are. Who's your favorite player? Who's going to be the next star? Um, uh, Alana, uh, what are your thoughts here? Who do you like?
3: You know, it's it's interesting because I was thinking about this topic and I was thinking about how over the course of like July, August, September, I just went, in October, I went all in on the Mariners and I learned so much about all of those players. And one of the things about that Mariners team is it was just a charming bunch of dudes who worked for it, who really have a passion for the game. And they made you love baseball because of how much they loved it. And also they made you proud to be from Seattle because they yeah. were representing us so well. Julio signs a 95-year contract, you know, he'll be <laughs> here forever. Uh, right. you know, t- like <laughs> all of them were just like, and AU Henio, like Zeno you know, Suarez, the way he came in and was just like, this is this drought is my drought, basically. Yeah. Uh, And fought for, and he wanted to do it for Seattle because he felt embraced by this community and he felt embraced by the team. And so what I was thinking about was like, who, who on the Seahawks is Julio? Who on the Seahawks is uh, Eugenio Suarez? Who on the Seahawks is our big dumper, Cal favorite, Raleigh, the big dumper, and, and I have I have a couple of those. And, All right, give and it I to think me. it's I think it's a way to uh, think about how we can attach ourselves to the Seahawks, and it, this has worked for me. So that for me, there's less personality and more kind of like charisma. Um, sure. It is it's the combination between Cal Raleigh, the big dumper, and Will Disley, Uncle Will? Yeah. Those kind of blockheads. Will <laughs> Disley's a little bit more. Um, <laughs> Uh, erratic in his personality uh, and ADD and Cal Raleigh's really a straight shooter, but like the mustache on Will <laughs> Disley and the balding like just gives me the same gives me big dumper vibes and calling him un- Uncle Will, that works really, really well. Um, Uncle
0: Will is just a great nickname. Totally.
3: Totally. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm thinking about like uh, when it comes to someone like Julio I'm like who is who on this team is just a master at their position uh, and has all that excitement and that joy of playing the game I don't know where where to go here necessarily but, I, I do
0: but I'm I I think that's Kenneth Walker the third
3: you think it's yeah i do
0: i do because i think he's a generational talent and we're going to see that and the more you hear him talk in the sideline interviews and his pressers and stuff Mm. like that that dude is charismatic and he's funny Mm. and Mm -hmm. uh and he's really fun to watch he plays the game like julio he plays that game like like a kid like he just loves it wouldn't you agree millie
2: Yeah, I mean, there was this moment. Um, I think that I saw from last week's game, which is like a little sideline, you know, Mike moment. And and after he scored a touchdown already, he's like, he's like, you want a second one? I'll get you a second one. Yeah, (laughs) don't. There he goes, and he goes, (laughs) and he gets it. Um, he has that the joy and the swagger, and he's delivering. Um immediately um, mm-hmm. something i really appreciated in uh, in curtis's latest blog 12life.com, 12life.com uh, you check was it out. was yeah. talking about you know people who are like how dare we draft this running back Blah. yeah that and drove
1: me nuts less
2: absolutely yeah. who, who we hoped he was and, and who you know i believe the that pete carroll and johnson artists thought he was um, and then he's got a personality to go with you know? yeah. There's so much in the draft that you do use, you, you see, especially the NFL draft, like it's, it's become fun and it's a spectacle and the, you know, the clothing choices and the jewelry choices, you know, it's starting <laughs> to rival the NBA draft and totally. you know, you, you get these personalities that people love like sauce Gardner, but yeah. you know, by the time you get to Ken Walker, it's, you don't get that same kind of attention mm-hmm. he sort of have that personality and we didn't really get a chance to see it and we certainly didn't expect to see this much of him mm-hmm. this season but as the next man up he was not only was he ready to go he is following Gino and being the next Seahawks player that suddenly everybody's talking about and wants to know more about their talking mm-hmm. about stats in these last two games and he's first in many categories including like a uh, missed tackles or missed tackles is. He's, he's first in yeah, missed tackles like, yeah he eludes tackles I mean like there's something that you know you don't hear too much about especially with the rookie running back um so absolutely I see that personality and I, I can see the parallel to um to Julio for sure. I could also see it as a uh, as a ham swaggerty kind of situation in that. oh world. I, I oh, have a ham
3: combination. All right. I'm gonna bullet through these real quick. Um, right, yeah, go for it. The obvious one for me, dino Smith. Is a Eugenio Suarez because they're both Gino, but also because they both came into a role new this year and took on the responsibility of that role and did that to represent themselves and to represent Seattle, and they both come off way better than expected. Um, uh, I think that that's a really natural matchup there. I think that um, I think that the offensive line is Los Bomberos, like just sturdy, consistent, doing a good job. We kind of expected it to take a dip because there was some different, some changes in continuity, but then it just met expectations and has done a really great job. And then uh, for me, Ham Swaggerty, that like uh, every tool in the box player, uh, to me, that's Tyler Lockett. Uh, just the way that, and also playing with that joie de vive, the way that. Swaggerty hit that home run inside the park on the home run. Uh, and then how Tyler is like out there uh, playing with joy, doing it every single week, but then also off the field, he's writing poetry. He's talking about his mental health. He's he's just fully representing that manhood um, that, that you want to see out of a player. Um, and uh, I just think that for me, that really makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, and then the last one I had was that um uh, uh carlos santana um just the kind of big beefy veteran in the middle of the lineup that's outwards like, uh, absolutely 100 percent those tackle who's gonna just Who blue collar beefy things like did anybody yeah. expect Outwoods? did anybody expect it at some point in the season would be like oh we're going to really miss out Woods for this game because <laughs> it is just having a tremendous season. And so that's – and I think I think for me the, the value in this exercise is just like we want to love the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And it's been difficult because we're coming off of kind of this like high of the Mariners and then loud crash. But if we can transfer that energy, this is a team that deserves to have that rooting interest, that deserves yeah. to have – um the inside outside knowledge of the players that are involved because they're good guys and they're working their asses off and they're succeeding and they're led by this fucking charismatic uh elvish warlock guy who's like never going to fail you know like and has just all this energy in the world it's it's pretty wonderful to have pete carroll as a head coach
0: It's cool. And, and and speaking of Mariners, like Pete Carroll is trying to capture that chemistry with this team, you know, like intentionally trying to capture it, Um, which uh, you know, and I think about the, all the different personalities on that LOB era team, right. The, the, and and that we were allowed inside access to, uh, Mm -hmm. and though that team drew new fans like people who never watched football before started watching seahawks football because of the personalities of richard sherman and michael bennett and uh you know marshawn lynch and all those guys the fucking
1: hunter had personality (laughs) john ryan had had personality (laughs) oozing out of his pores
0: people were wearing the Yeah. yeah, who's retiring? Who's just like the funniest guy on Twitter, by the
3: way? Oh, he's great.
0: Um, I for me on this team right now, the person that I connect to most is Geno Smith. Because I I I see Geno Smith as the quintessential Pete Carroll player. It's the guy who was counted out. He's coming. He's got a giant chip on his shoulder. He's been good the whole time, and nobody's seen him. And uh, like, this is kind of Pete Carroll himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is Pete Carroll's <laughs> career trajectory too. And uh, and 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 here he is, and he finally gets. His moment and everybody's like, oh, this guy, he's not going to do anything just like Pete Carroll. When Pete Carroll was first announced as Seahawks, they were like, why is Paul Allen crazy? Pete, that guy, the guy who washed out with the Jets and the Patriots, that guy, Geno Smith got the same thing. And what happens? he comes out swinging and and he's showing the world like yeah maybe he failed in his first few years and he went to work and he got to know himself and he got to know the game and he got to know what he was good at and he finally gets his chance and he's like this silent assassin and he's just showing the world who he is and not only that but he's taken those he he's he's not taken the accolades for himself he's given it to the team but here's the thing about Gino and this is something Gino's not going to admit Gino's not going to admit that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Gino's not going to admit that he's on his revenge tour. Uh, but Gino's writing back right now. And (laughs) this is what I love about Gino Smith. And this is what I wanted out of Russell Wilson. And this is what I loved out of Matt Hasselbeck Gino is playing like a cocky motherfucker, (laughs) And I love the hell out of that. Gino was playing like Matt Hasselbeck played. Gino was playing like, I want the ball
3: And
0: you saw that in that Chargers game when the center was called for that bullshit, you know, false start. Like, how can a center false start? Uh, right. And Gino was fired like he was fired up. And now they're third and 16. And the way he passed that ball had energy in it like like the like mm-hmm. like that ball went through the air and you could hear like in the ball spinning it was like fuck you is what the ball said when it was like that like ball
1: that ball hands. hiked to him he took one step and he gunned it Right, there. like he just he he saw he saw where that was gonna go the minute the ball was snapped and he. Just I don't think I've seen a ball sucked that it. hard. Mm-hmm. That was, and then there was like the hard moment hard with, with my, my most favorite play of the season thus far <laughs> is when that happened.
0: I just
3: wanted to point out the moment where Pete was like, Dino. so good, center,
0: center, yeah, just uh, like." Center. Oh, it's wonderful. That's why that's why I fucking love Pete Carroll too. Yeah. But, but Geno Smith been, is is my player.
2: If that had been a cartoon, like when it was caught, it would have been like on fire and the guy be like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah yeah, just blown
0: totally. through
3: his hands.
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Curtis, uh, where where are you landing? Who who are you connecting to? Who do you like?
1: Yeah, it's 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 definitely hands down Gino Smith. I mean, it's just I, a, I just, I, I love a great underdog story. I became a huge Seahawk fan back in the early eighties because I mean, I feel like that's underdogs.
0: Seattle in it just as a city so that right? is
1: largely Seattle sports in and of itself. If you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Seattle for sure. And I'm just, there is not There is not a player on that team. There is not a player in this league that I will root for harder than Geno Smith right now. And if I was not a Seahawk fan, if I was a fan somewhere in the Midwest and my team was struggling and there wasn't a lot of excitement, I would be looking at the situation out here in Seattle with Geno Smith and I would be (laughs) rooting for the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith because of his story and his background. My hope is that he's sustained. I think he's going to a throughout the course of the season, but I want to see this guy the next franchise quarterback in Seattle for the next several mm-hmm. years. I don't want <laughs> like, him on a two-year window right. trying to bring in a rookie to replace him in a couple of years. I want him to be the guy. I want him to play so well that he has made the decision for the Seahawks. Yeah. They have to sign him. They have yeah. to keep him going. And actually to tell you the truth, I think this is what Pete Carroll wants. I don't think yeah. Pete Carroll wants to bring in a rookie. I I, Pete Carroll wanted to, to, to groom along somebody who's young and inexperienced and he thinks has some upside. He would have gone with Drew Locke, but he didn't want that. You know, he wanted to go with the guy that he trusts. I think that, you know, I mean, I think a lot of coaches want that that aren't even defensive minded coaches. I mean, if you look at, you know, if you look at Bruce Arians when he was down in. You know, and he's supposed to be an offensive guru. Like when he was down in Arizona, did he draft a quarterback and develop him? No, he traded for Carson Wentz. When he went to Tampa Bay, did he draft a quarterback to groom? No, he signed Tom Brady. I mean, I well, think,
0: look you know, at Bill Belichick when Tom Brady left. Was he going after that rookie? No, he went for like Cam Newton and stuff like he, that.
1: Like Mac Jones is struggling this year, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. so I think, I think that the best scenario, um, as a Seahawk fan is to see Geno Smith succeed and that he becomes the guy moving forward. But I just think for me, as as a fan of, of Geno Smith, I want to see that
3: happen. I read a great article on field goals today that was talking about um, how Shane Waldron is going to get calls for head coach over yeah. the summer uh, and that he should hang up the phone uh, because he could be, he could take over, um from Carol.
1: Yeah, I think he <laughs> can, yeah. I
3: I called that a year ago when he was hired. I think yeah. he can be the heir apparent of And, and if we well. have if we have Gino in that system for 4 mm-hmm. years cuz it's 2026 when Carol's done. Mm-hmm. Like that to me says we're going to spend that 4 years building up the defense, building up the uh other players that we're going to be making these deep runs in the playoffs. Yeah. And then Waldron's going to come in and that's about when you draft a new quarterback, but you still have Gino around totally. Totally. Uh, and then you draft and develop a new quarterback. We're looking at a potential Joe, like special Joe Montana to Steve young type of thing, Yeah, but yeah. doing it twice yeah. in a row. Yeah. Well, me, that's the thing like here that's too. Fifteen-year dynasty. Well, like, I, I
0: mean, how crazy would it be to go from Matt Hasselbeck to Russell Wilson to Geno Smith to another
3: like right
0: great quarterback?
3: Yeah, we I, did I, have we did have one one like we <laughs> had one or two seasons of, of Tarvar.
0: We had one season of uh, of Tavaris Jackson and, and Charlie Whitehurst. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah. Um, and in terms of, I, I would just stars. throw it out
1: there in terms of other players that I'm really That's enjoying. I, I I, actually, for me, um, I love K-9. I think, I think he's going to be a Super superstar fun. in this town. Yeah. He's probably destined to be the next uh, guy along with uh, um, Julio and DK. Uh, for my money, though, my my own personal Julio off of this uh, uh, 2022 uh, Seahawks squad is uh, Tariq Woolen. Hey, um, so good, my guy.
2: I was going to talk about.
1: He, you were going <laughs> to talk about him, okay? I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to pass it along to Millie.
2: <laughs> well, just let me kick it off because that that's who I was going to name in this. Okay, okay. Cool. Of who's who's the the player I'm really gravitating toward. Um, and personality wise who i'm 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 really uh fond of right now as as much fun as i'm i am having with with K9 and the the player i'm i'm really falling for is Tariq Woolen um obviously this it's that we all know he has this talent and he's still learning but what i like about him is that he's the first person to tell you that and that he's yep. super humble okay. um with everything that's happened <laughs> to him. Um, You know, he's getting rewards and accolades from the league, but beyond that, he's getting them from his fellow players. And it's not just the players on the defense. It's players on offense that they like, they like watching him and they like playing with him that he is seeking out um, working with DK and Tyler. He he goes to them like like let's go one on one and he's mm. learned so much and he's a good student by talking to these great receivers and he's he's learning the game from that perspective as well um and i just think that's another dimension to a player that's really nice to see that he has this sort of um it seems like he has a little bit of wonder when it comes to the game of like how else could i approach this what else can i do um to To make my game better, um, and and clearly listening. If he wasn't listening to those people, he would not be doing as well as he is. And he is listening. So he is my super fun to watch player. We. Absolutely. That's the one that I'm, I'm sort of fallen for in all of this. I was really, I will say, I was really excited for Penny this year. And um, <laughs> that was, he was my, my early, like, you know, we all know about my pocket locket, like, let's, let's not mess this up here. He's my number one, but <laughs> as far as these new players, especially, and and where my heart is is leaning these days, it's Tariq and He is just a special person as well as a special player. And th- those are the things we fall in love with with individuals on the team.
3: Absolutely don't you have a new member of the media that you're
2: kind of uh entranced with, M- Millie? I I I do. Um but I did I Curtis, was there anything else you wanted to say about Tariq and our shared love?
1: <laughs> uh, I think you said it all wonderfully. Yeah. I just <laughs> he's he's got a uh he's got he's got he's got sort of a um I don't want to say it's like an idiot savant sort of thing to him, uh, but I feel like there is sort of like a, there's just such a good sweet nature to the guy. Um, And I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking when Alana was talking about like finding reasons to like the Seahawks and it's been sort of my observation through Seahawks Twitter in which I daily sort of, look at and i'm around um i feel like i feel like in terms of like the seahawk fans which there's you know hundreds of thousands if not millions in this area um i feel like the seahawk fans have embraced this squad Mm -hmm. uh in a way that i haven't probably felt in like five or six years <laughs> um, by what they're doing right now like the whole Gino story uh everybody has you know i feel like as kind of um put their arms around that um i think everyone's excited about uh woolen and canine and um they're just sort of they're loving this scrappy underdog uh youthful team that's starting two rookies on the offensive line. So and the offensive crazy. line is one of the better offensive lines in the league. Abe hey, hey. Lucas, like
0: the way he can just destroy like
2: bulldoze
0: a dude. I yeah. mean, how many pancakes has that guy had? So good.
2: I am really looking forward to seeing how how we look against the Bucs. I'm I'm a little sad that they are so bad. <laughs> and, uh, we are recording this on a Thursday night. So they just, um, they just lost again because I really do want to see this defense against, um, for lack of a better description, some real assholes. Um, the bucks is full of them. Like I, we're all whiny babies. Yeah, I-, I know I we don't get green see... Bay this year,
0: do we? Damn it.
2: Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see, you know, what happens when we're up against you know, uh, Mike Evans. Like, I, I want to see how that goes, and I want to see, I want to see how that, how our personalities are going to handle these dicks. So that's going to be a lot of fun in German. <laughs> it will. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I had before we get into
0: dorking. I just had a couple passing thoughts. Um, number one, I was just thinking like Doug Baldwin would love playing with geno smith
1: uh he would yeah because geno get the ball right on time for him oh my god yeah yeah and
0: just his personality like i i just think about damn it like i i i I would have loved to see doug baldwin uh uh running some routes for geno smith um my other thing is um i was thinking about this if you hadn't listen to the media chatter and you hadn't seen an NFL game this season. And the first game you tuned into was that Seahawks chargers game. You would think the Seahawks were the best team in the league. That's, that's how they were playing like that game, you know, like they were just so focused and on it and physical. Um, And, uh, and that just, that makes me really excited. Like if they can have that consistency um, I, I, I don't know. I think they can make a playoff push this season. I don't know. I you know, I I uh I originally predicted like a like a 9 and 8 season, but I think 10, 11 wins isn't out of the question. Um I, I think, think it'd be really fun. I, I'm
1: comfortable saying I think that they're a playoff contender now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now. Especially
0: yeah. in the in First in the rancid uh NFC, but like I think they can take the division. And if they don't, they're definitely uh in the wild card hunt.
3: Let's save that for next week when we do a first half of the season review. That's right. And predictions yeah, for week. the second half of the season. Yeah.
0: We're getting a, a first half review. Um, uh, Shall we get into some
2: dorking? Sure.
0: Yeah, let's get into some dorking. Uh, I don't know, Millie, what are you dorking out about?
2: So what I'm dorking out about right now is actually a, a movie that I watched last night on the plane I always like to watch sort of um, it's usually when I go for a cartoon or movies that are uh, geared towards a a younger crowd. Uh, It's one of my favorite things on a plane, because if I fall asleep, I can figure out what's going on when I wake up. (laughs) And, And, you know, it's okay on a smaller screen. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons. That's what I do. I downloaded a movie that I did not expect to keep me awake. Um, and it's called uh, Secret Headquarters, and it's on Paramount, and it's delightful, and I can't recommend it highly enough. I don't have children, so I will say that to me, this seems like a great movie to watch with your kids. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I find out later, like, I'm totally wrong. These stereotypes aren't okay, but (laughs) to me, it seemed delightful. Uh, It's Owen Wilson. Who um basically being a being a good guy and a good Samaritan ends up becoming uh a, a, a guardian of the earth and is is uh but nobody knows who the guardian is. And of course, including his own kid, who just thinks that uh his his uh separated or divorced, not sure parents, um, that his dad just doesn't think he's important enough to spend time with. And he's it's his birthday weekend and he's supposed to spend it with his dad and of course like you know not even the first night in dad gets called away on another it conference and (laughs) off he goes and basically the kid sets him up to believe that his mom's coming to pick him up but that's not what's happening he's inviting his closest friend over to hang out who of course brings the the girl he has a crush on and um just you know a a delightful little group of, of four to five kids as the this thing progresses and they discover the secret lair of his father and um you know these this these vigilantes who are out have been looking for the guardian since he was you know first in existence they they start playing with all the toys and that gives away the location and 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 chaos ensues it is um it was just really fun the acting's great the kids are great um and uh, I just, I had a really good time watching it. So um, the effects are good too, by the way. So I, I definitely recommend it. I think the kids are supposed to be around, um, they're like in middle school, like 13, 14 years old, just to give you sort of an age range on on what's going on there. And it's just fun. It's a good one.
1: I like it.
0: Milana, what are you dorking out about?
3: so i hate halloween uh i think that it's uh it's just not my holiday i for the reason is is that i grew up in theater with a theater dad and um knowing i was trans and knowing the expectations of both of those identities and their relationship with halloween it made me go no thank you um and so when it comes to spooky season, I'm, which is a term I hate, by the way, I hate calling October spooky season. It's so stupid and juvenile. Um, uh, bah humbug. yeah, about Halloween. Um, but so I don't, I, I don't like scary movies. I'm, I'm not a fan of horror flicks. Um, but sometimes I do want to watch something that's a little bit like, dark and weird and grim or whatever and uh, so i picked up last year ghosts on cbs i'm normally i'm normally allergic to cbs sitcoms because they always employ the laugh track um uh and do so aggressively and poorly in my experience with it um but i ghost is just charming as shit and like uh the acting is really pleasant and they they get really silly uh and the fact that they have representatives and th- so the basic idea of the story is that uh somebody inherits a mansion um and then uh falls down the stairs and then sees ghosts and so there's a ghost from the 90s a ghost from the 80s a ghost from the 60s um one from the 20s one from the 1800s one from the revolutionary war uh and indian uh from 1513 uh uh, I just forgot what a Lanabe, um person and then uh, a Viking. And so she can see all of these ghosts and talk to them. Her husband can't. That's the premise of the show. It's based on a British show uh, but of the same name that uses different characters, obviously, that are relevant to British society, but they come from a place that is very intentionally well educated about history. Um, they come from, I think it's hilarious history or weird hit history, something um, that is a British institution and it's the same people who made this. But that that kind of appreciation of our shared identities carries forward. And also uh, the weirdest thing about it is if for anybody who's familiar with Community Season 4, which was kind of like a, the train wreck of all train wrecks, according to some people, but there's still some good in there. It's run by the same two guys. And this fit is perfect for them. Like it's just it's light, it's frothy, it's fun. Uh I really enjoy it. It has meaning at times. I introduced it to Beth uh like last week and because we're in the kind of a, a lull uh in terms of our watching, um it uh it's been a joy to watch and just power through two or three episodes a night because they're 20 minutes long uh and the last thing i want to say is that i have walaigi because that's going to be my halloween costume and i built the whole thing and i'm really proud of that
0: that's and awesome even
3: though i hate halloween i'm going to a party uh halloween party and it'll be the first party i go to since the pandemic started and so i'm, I'm just feeling like excited about that reality
0: yeah um uh community is maybe one of my favorite all-time shows i'm yeah i'm doing a rewatch of it right now uh i was kind of in a in a mental health funk a week and a half ago and so i turned community on again because that's my comfort show and so i've been binging through it again um season four is not as bad as i remember and right. The only thing I have against it is that community is so in the DNA of Dan Harmon that anybody who's not Dan Harmon is just not going to be able to write it like he does, but it's not that bad. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um uh I, I am the opposite of Alana. I love Halloween, I love spooky season, I love scary movies, I love horror movies, and this is a thing I'm dorking out about this week. Um, uh I went to a double feature of uh some obscure B movies at Renton Civic Theater. It was uh it was uh by uh presented by Crypticon, which is the horror convention, the annual horror convention. And they were showing uh, this this the B movie, these eighties B movies, Society, which is completely fucked up, and Reanimator, which is loosely based uh, on crafts uh, *Reanimator*, classic horror. Uh, and I, watching these movies now, I, I I never seen *Society*. *Reanimator* is a great movie. I never seen this. *Society*. By the way, uh, if if you're into b movie horror check out society it's uh it is campy and funny and fucked up um but i i had this thought and i was talking to my buddy uh as we were driving home from the thing and i was like i really miss practical effects in horror because they were not realistic but there was something really charming and inventive and fun and like like 90% of it wasn't like to make this realistic horror. It was to see if we can do it or like, you know, like, like what's this weird creative way uh, we, can, we can present this thing or whatever. Um, and I think that's why that genre of horror just isn't popular anymore because people aren't doing it with practical effects there's just you lose it with with if it's shitty cgi like ugh, it just feels cheap and um, and unearned if it's if it's if it's good practical effects that looks kind of shitty on film there's something really charming about it um, but there was also like those movies, those B-movies, those horror B-movies from the 80s, they knew exactly what they were doing. Like it, it, it you know, it was tongue in cheek. It was, it was, you know, like there was a lot of comedy in it. They knew that the stilted acting was kind of going to add to that je ne sais quoi they were trying to put into it. Uh, and maybe it's just that I'm an old man now, and I miss the things from my youth. But uh, that, that's aged well. Those those bad B movies from the from the eighties and nineties, top notch horror. Uh, I don't I, mean uh, to yuck
3: your yum, but. It's less.
2: The, those practical effects are as. They're less disturbing, I think, than the sort of over-the-top, realistic carnage. Completely agree.
0: Yeah, on
2: some level, is psychologically torturing yourself instead of just giving you the the sort of titillation of 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 a decent gory horror movie. I a
0: hundred percent agree with that. I I can't stand
1: gore porn. It's just, it's to me, it's not entertainment. But yeah, I mean, I like I like a good. Fun horror story if it's got a balance of certain things like levity and this and that. Like you know, American Werewolf in London was like American Werewolf funny in places. It yeah. kept me going as a teenager when I was watching it and going like, even though I wanted to like get up and leave the room the entire way through the film. Um, yeah. Uh, gee, what am I dorking out about? I'm not dorking out about a lot. I've just been sort of. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I've been watching this the the Star Wars Andor show and um nice. it's a departure from a lot of the Star Wars Star Wars content. Um there's a lot of nuance involved. Um there's a lot of gray areas between what are supposedly the heroic rebellion characters and what are the people that are working for the empire. Um Alana said last week that she had heard it described as Star Wars for adults. Um, (laughs) I can totally see that. And I'm here to say that I fucking like lightsabers and Wookiees and Yodas and Luke Skywalkers. (laughs) And I like cornball and I like camp and it's got none of that shit in it and it's boring as fuck right now i sat through this episode last night and i'm going like gee you know if i wanted to eat sandpaper i fucking would but i don't want to eat sandpaper i want to eat a nice delicious hot fudge sundae give me my fucking star
3: wars you know? I didn't mean for that comment to paint you into a corner of not being an adult. Uh, for the record, <laughs> no, that's
1: fine, Curtis is not an adult. If this, if, this, if this is if this is Star Wars for the people who don't like Star Wars, then I guess that's cool. But the
3: shit that I like about Star Wars. <laughs> it's not in this the, the thing that gets me with Star Wars is that it's space opera and I can't stand space opera I don't um, even know
1: what space opera means I just
3: like space lightsabers
0: and wookies and space
3: wizards, it's, it's space yeah, wizards. I like that stuff. So I like that stuff yeah, like and that's great I, 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 that's why I tend towards Star Trek because it's it's Shakespeare in space
1: well I
0: like oh, Star that's Trek that's such too, a good but... analogy Star Trek is totally Shakespeare in space
1: shakespeare in space we should yeah. create a show called shakespeare in- <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'd
0: watch the fuck out of that
1: anyhow that's my two cents that's all i got all right give me hey, my whoopies this,
0: this has been a fun pod <laughs> next week yeah. we're gonna we're, we're gonna take it we're gonna do the 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 half season temperature we're gonna take a temperature on this team we're gonna talk about where it's going next, make our predictions. Uh, if you haven't checked out Curtis's blog, 12life.com, you should do it. He's got some really great stuff on there. Uh, and if you like this pod, share it around, hit that subscribe button. You can check us out on YouTube and see all our pretty faces. You can find the podcast wherever you like to find your podcast. If you don't find it there, let us know, and uh, maybe you will. Once more, my name is Daniel for Curtis, Solana, Millie, the rest of the 12s, saying goodbye and go Hawks.
2: Go Hawks.
3: Go Hawks.
0: Go Hawks.